You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Matt Coulter, a former Alabama Broadcaster of the Year and longtime media personality, and Christian Miller, a national championship winning linebacker at Alabama who was drafted by the Carolina Panthers. Here's Lars, Matt, and Christian. I mean, you know, I've, I've been with Monk for three years. Uh, we, we, we brought back pretty much the entire core of our offense from last year, so we were all clicking. So, I don't know. We had a really good offense. Uh, I, it makes me proud, um, you know, of what I've accomplished uh, when I hear that because it means I've done some things right, but I don't know if it's accurate or not. You know, we've had Mur- – I grew up watching Murray and Stafford and, you know, Shock and Green and, and you know, who's to say? Those, those dudes were all – I mean, amazing. That'd be a word. Amazing, incredible, dominating. Wow. If anybody can come on this radio station right now and tell me they saw that coming, I'll give you 100 bucks. Oh, my word. As Kirk Herbstreet and Chris Fowler were in the booth, they were struggling for words. They were trying to kill time. They just wanted it to be over. I text my son and said, this is hard to watch. I flipped over and started watching Yellowstone and reruns. It was just unbelievable how Georgia dismantled what we all thought and respected as a pretty good uh, pretty good TCU team. But, uh, boy, it was all Georgia. Now the discussion is on who's at the top of the hill in college football. Oh, I don't think that's a discussion. Come on, Matt. Who won? Who's won the last? Who's won the last two <laughs> national championships? Who won uh, the national championship last night in the most dominating fashion in the history of national championship games? Fifty-eight points, just absolutely incredible. All yeah. right, let me ask you this one: I'm, Christian Miller, who is the greatest college football quarterback in the history of the game? That's a good one, isn't it? That is a good one. I'm, uh, I'm biased, but uh, let's mark it at 12.02. Are you going to say Tommy Frazier? Tommy Frazier, yeah. Nebraska. Well, he won back-to-backs, didn't yeah. he? Yep. But you know what? Stetson Bennett is in the conversation. I'm not so sure he isn't it. When you think about it, and you think about how well he played in big games, you know what Georgia needs to do this morning? They need to send a telegram to Brian Day, Brian Day and say, thanks, Thanks for waking us up, because after what happened against Ohio State, Georgia was a totally different team. I don't think I've ever seen a team that played with that much energy. Every yeah. snap, they were just blowing TCU off the ball. It was a beautiful thing to watch for a while. Yeah, but did you? I mean, did it, your it, concentration it, wane it, just a little? In the very, second? very first play of the game, there's a false start right. on TCU, and I was thinking to myself, uh oh. These guys ain't ready. They are not ready because there's a difference when you play an elite SEC team versus an elite uh, Big Ten team in Michigan. And against Michigan, absolutely everything went TCU's way. Really hard for that to happen two games in a row. I mean, two pick sixes, fumbles, you know, everything you can imagine – 
fell in UC, uh, it fell in in in, uh, in the Horn Frogs' lap against Michigan, and uh, that obviously did not happen last night. Um, the quarterback was off. He it was missing throws that he normally would hit. And um, I think the the moment was just too big for this program. And also, Matt, I I think they just ran out of gas because they had been in so many close games throughout the year. And even uh, Sonny Dyke said after the game, you know, there are some games this year we probably should have lost, but we found a way to win. And, um, you know, they just they did not belong on that field last night with Georgia. They absolutely did not. And now you can revisit the discussion. Well, did TCU belong in the Final Four? Well, they, they beat Michigan. And I know it was. Well, I think by, they deserve to be there. But uh, I don't think anybody deserved what but Georgia did. Okay, TCU. But, but maybe the bigger question is did the committee get it right with those four I teams? I think Alabama's a much better team than TCU. I don't think there's any question there. But I'm, I don't. Boy, this is going to go over well in this state. I don't think Alabama had. Would have stood much of a chance against Georgia last night, do you? No. If they played, per- they missed an extra point, Lars. That's it. How they went three and out in the third quarter. Once, I mean, it was just, it was just a you know what whipping up and down and up and down. And how good is Brock Bowers? Gosh. Oh God! You know what they ought to do? Line him up in shotgun and let him just run the show next year. <laughs> I know. They don't need a quarterback. Just put Brock Bowers back there. Yeah. Um... I mean, let's talk about Stetson Bennett for a second, Let's though. do. Um, so he's listed at 5'11". He's probably about 5'10". Um, they, he's also, it says in the, in the media guide that he weighs 190, um, which is very light by football standards. But he did, you know, he finished off one of the greatest careers in college football history, um, uh, with that 65-7 to beatdown of TCU, he finished 18-25 for 304 yards, four touchdowns, and another 39 yards rushing, and two more touchdowns rush, rushing. I mean, he was just, he was phenomenal. And if Stetson Bennett stood 6-3, I think we'd be talking about him as the possible number one overall draft pick in the 2023 NFL Draft. And uh, but but he doesn't. So now no one knows if he can even make it in in the NFL. And I think this is uh, it, it, it goes back to this the, the the lingering doubts that people have of him. He was originally a Georgia walk-on. He then leaves to go to junior college. He returns, and he uh, he he um, <laughs> even his own coaches sort of doubted him for a long time. Well, do you do you uh, put Stetson Bennett in? Do you play JT Daniels? You know what do you do? But the the thing is, he, you know he doesn't look like an NFL quarterback. But Bryce Young doesn't look like an NFL quarterback. I mean, it's it's so strange to me that that it, it, and, and look, we all love Bryce Young. And we think Bryce Young should go number one overall. And it's going to be fascinating to see what the Chicago Bears do with that pick. I'm sure they're going to trade it because they're not going to give up on Justin Fields. And I, I think Young will go number one overall. But but Bryce Young's only uh, maybe an inch taller than Stetson Bennett. And, um, you know, I, I don't think Stetson Bennett will be a franchise quarterback in the NFL but certainly he could be like the next Chase Daniels, uh, Chase Daniel, uh, former quarterback at Missouri, who is six foot, 
not much bigger than Setson Bennett, and he's been in the league for 14 years and counting as, as basically a backup. And uh, I thought ESPN, uh, they've done a good job sort of researching this, that since 2006, just three quarterbacks listed six foot and, uh, and, and under and 200 pounds or less have ever been drafted. And that's Appalachian State's Armani Edwards, who in the third round in 2010, Michigan's Denard Robinson, <clears throat> fifth round in 2013, and Navy's Malcolm Perry, seventh round in 2020. Um, and then you can also count Kent State's Julian Edelman, seventh round in 2009. All four of those guys became receivers in the NFL. I mean, Setson Bennett... And Setson Bennett's fast. I mean, he, he'll, I bet he'll, at the Combine he'll probably run about a 4-5 or, or so. Um, but what he does is something that <clears throat> that I think Joe Burrow ex- excels at and, and a lot of other sort of cerebral quarterbacks, and that's the, the pre-snap reads and, and getting Georgia into the right play call, right? And um, he, he's got accuracy. He's got a quick release. He makes good decisions. He's twenty nine and three as a starter. I mean, and, and and of course he is surrounded by incredible talent, right? Brock Bowers, one hundred fifty seven yards. Uh, he's he's NFL ready right now, but he has to come back to Georgia because he's not eligible for the draft. And man, just pencil him in his. How about uh, McConkey uh, in full gear? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, I, I just. Uh, I, I can't say enough good things about Stetson Bennett. And, Matt, you and I have been talking about him for, it seems like, five years now. And I've gone from the fact that – I've gone from the statement, he looks like me playing quarterback back there. I remember that two years ago to, on the Jay to, Barker show. To now, I remember it to, well. To now saying he is one of, uh, what, one of the five all-time greatest college quarterbacks in history. And his story is just a fairy tale. I know. I need to get in touch with him, see if he's ready to write. Yeah, you need to write that book. Yeah. Hopefully he hasn't listened to this show. Well, (laughs) uh, I don't think he listened to anybody. (laughs) No, I know. And it was, uh, you know, and I I called this, actually. I was texting a friend of mine. uh, I said, if Kirby is smart, he'll call a timeout and he'll pull him. And he'll let Bennett get his due. And boom. He did. Yep. And I thought that was a great moment, and Bennett appreciated it. Smart knew what he was doing. And as a result, uh, you know, it's kind of a, a not a dry eye in the house kind of deal. It was, yeah. it was very heartwarming, very emotional for me, and I'm not, I'm not a dog fan. I'm an SEC fan, though, and by golly, Has a walk-on quarterback ever led their team to two straight national championships? My guess would be immediately no. Yeah, I I mean, who who did you? You asked me the question of who's the greatest college quarterback of all time. How do you answer that? I think right now I'd say Stetson Bennett, but I'm kind of in the afterglow. Yeah. Okay. But I think, and they flashed this statistic up many, many times. But of the four CFP games he played in, he was the MVP in all of them. And he was dagger-like. And the play calling, by the way, was just brilliant, using his legs, using his arm. And then really, and I waited until 11 minutes into the show to really give my tip of the cap to, I think, who really deserves all of the kudos, Georgia's offensive line. Yeah. As Stetson Bennett said in postgame, they never touched me. 
Yeah. Do you do you remember him being harassed he just, at he, all? He it was like he, he's like every quarterback sort of bouncing on his feet. Yeah. One, two, three, and, and and usually when you hit three, you got to get you got to let that ball go. But he could go four, five, six, and uh, just had had so much time, and and he is so accurate. And um, just a phenomenal job. And and you know what's interesting about this Georgia team, too, is they only had one guy from the transfer portal on this entire squad. So I didn't that, think they had one. So that sh- But that shows you uh, – that's what I, I – I read that uh, earlier this morning. But oh, it's probably I, I could be wrong. But, but, but it just – regardless if it's one or none, it shows you that this has become – um, a program based on recruiting, but not just that, development. And this program has been made in the image of who? Nick Saban. Yes. Yes. And how? I mean, you, you can talk about the coaching, you can talk to the fan base, we can talk about Stetson Bennett, not a highly recruited guy. What's the one thing that Kirby is doing that Nick did through his, through his 15, 16 years at Alabama? Recruit. Recruit. Yeah. They're all five, uh, four and five stars. Yep. And as a result, and and yesterday we were talking about this. I uh, heard something on the way into the show yesterday that Georgia and I'm I'm ballparking this. Georgia had like sixty four and five star recruits coming out of high school on their roster, and TCU had like six. You can say anything you want to about the game of college football, X's and O's, Jimmy's and Joe's, talent wins. Kirby's proven it. Yeah. Yeah, as Nick Saban always says, it's uh, it's not the jockey, it's the horses. It's <laughs> the meaning. It's not the coaches. It's the players. And uh, man, Georgia has got the players. And and a- as we move along in this show and, and continue to break down this game, though there's not much to break down. Uh, let's look and see what Georgia has coming back next year. They're going to be rated. Uh, they're going to be ranked number number one in the country. Can do, they can they win three in a row? Do you recall how many players Georgia put in the NFL from the first round last six year? on defense? Yes. Yep. Yep. And that was a defense that absolutely you know, just d- destroyed TCU. They're uh, they're just reloading. I do wonder who the these two is, teams, Alabama and Georgia, are going to have a quarterback next year. I think that's going to be a, a Ohio State fun. had them on the ropes. <laughs> But who brought him back? Stetson Bennett. All right, you're listening to Big Noon Sports. Don't forget to dial us in and check out our website at www.bignoonsports.com and Twitter at Big Noon Sports. Follow us and listen. We'll be right back. Christian Miller will give us his take on what happened last night in Los Angeles. The best sports talk in Alabama. This is Big Noon Sports. Have you ever noticed that when the afternoon light hits your floors, you can see everything, including dust? So much dust. And that floor dust gets kicked up into the air. Tomorrow, a mix of sun and clouds with a high at 69. Thursday, cloudy with rain and strong thunderstorms moving in. The high 68. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 58 degrees in Tuscaloosa. The biggest challenge is the same thing it is in all of the world. The world we live in today, society we live in, entitlement. So the minute that you think you're entitled to to winning games and and you don't have to work hard, 
Coach, Coach Dykes and I were talking about it. You know, the, the uphill battle for those guys is you think that you just inherit success. And uh, I personally think next year is going to be a much, much more difficult challenge over this year because we had so many guys leaving last year. Uh, we got a lot of guys coming back. And uh, unfortunately, this one right here is not. And uh, tell you a quick story. I walked into my little, they got a real nice head coach's office in that room over there. And I don't know if Stetson knows this, but I walked in and my 10-year-old son, Andrew's balling. And I was like, oh, no, somebody's hurt his feelings. Somebody's thrown him down. Somebody's done something to him. I said, why are you crying? You're going to ruin my moment. He said, Stetson's leaving. Stetson's gone. I said, he's 25 years old. He's got to go. Got to leave. But he's bawling about Stetson being gone. And, you know, most of our team, we'll have a lot of guys coming back. We're going to lose some really talented guys, probably going to lose some juniors. But the disease that creeps into your program um, is called entitlement. And I've, I've, I've seen it firsthand. And if you can stomp it out with leadership, then you can stay hungry. And uh, we have a saying around our place, we eat off the floor. And if you're willing to eat off the floor, you can be special. Who did that sound like? Marsh? One Nick Saban. Don't get complacent. Work, work, work. And he said that word very, very often last night. You just got to outwork everybody, and that's what exactly what Georgia has done. I thought it was uh, really cool, that story about his son. Stetson's leaving. But uh, that's that's the one thing that Georgia's losing, losing that was the common denominator for these two national championships, and we'll see how they can do um, with a, another quarterback. Which, by the way, I think one of our producers, it may have been Josh or Joe or Aiden, uh, that just texted uh, Lamar Jackson and um, Stetson Bennett are the same age. And so is Josh Allen, I think, is only about six months older than him. Yeah. Unbelievable. And Jalen Hurts, too. And Joe Burrow. Jalen Hurts. Put it up there. Yep. Joe and Burrow. Joe Burrow. Yep. Joe Burrow alert at 16 after an hour of noon. Hey, but it was uh, me this CM, time. CM, let's just. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hey, bring us up to date. Where'd you watch the game? Did you have a good time? And did any? Did you ever think that that was something like that was possible? My house knows waste of time. Worst championship game I've ever seen. That sums it up. <laughs> hey, I'm was, sorry, like I guys. Said, I, I was got channel to, surfing in the second half. I mean, I had to be honest. I mean, I, I've never seen uh, a starting quarterback get pulled to start the fourth quarter in a championship game in my entire life. I've never seen that. Granted, I'm not the oldest person out here, but I mean, it, guys, I mean that look. I mean, they might as well have been playing an, an FCS school. I mean, and I, I hate to be so critical of TCU, but man, they just they let me down. I mean, I thought they were at least going to put up a good fight. I mean, watching them get against Michigan, they they had all this this energy and they're ready to roll and, and they're playing just um, you know with so much just so much more motivation and passion but they just looked like they lost the game before they even went out there on the field you know they they looked like they were scared to play georgia and it reminded me of when we were at alabama we used to feel that way when we used to play people they used to be scared to play us and we'd win the game before we even stepped foot on the field i mean but here i'll give you guys my my actual breakdown that's just my little quick little rant um today georgia dominated the offense uh, the, the, both lines of scrimmage they dominate the line of scrimmage they dominated TCU's offensive line. I mean, we saw an abundance of guys coming in for Georgia making plays. Got guys on there too deep, um, just overpowering TCU's uh, offensive line. Um, they completely neutralized uh, Max Duggan. I know they were without uh, the star running back, Miller, but it, it, I don't even think it would have played a factor in this game. I mean, Georgia no, was just that much more all. physical and overpowering up front. 
I mean, Max Duggan couldn't do anything. I mean, he had nowhere to go um, in the pocket. You know, they couldn't get any of their running games going. They, they couldn't do anything. I mean, they forced turnovers. Um, and, and then in terms of their offense, I said it yesterday. I mean, if, if Georgia can get Brock Bowers going, everything else is going to click. That, that's just how it works. You know, he's the key to their offense. And that's exactly what happened. I mean, he had over 150 receiving yards. Um, I mean, the guy was just all over the field. And his hats off to Stetson Bennett. I mean, he played phenomenal. You know, really just stepped up. And the throws he were making, he was making was just absolutely incredible. Um, and I think he's, you know, a little underrated in terms of his accuracy. But he he put that on display last night. And, um, look, honestly, it was a great game plan by by Coach Munkin with Georgia. You know, he did a um, a, a tremendous job. You know, they, they, they ran the ball effectively. And they... And what happened? It set up their 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 play action pass, which Stetson was able to air it out long and just uh, he had all the time in the world. He was sitting back there letting his uh, letting the receivers uh, develop their routes. And I mean, honestly, it was a perfectly executed game plan, a phenomenal game plan that they put together. And um, man, you know that that was just that that was a, that was a butt whooping. And it didn't even I, like I, the, I feel the like word the, perfect. Oh, go ahead. Perfect applies, doesn't it? I mean, they missed an extra point. Can can you really name anything else that went wrong? I mean, from the game plan to and emotionally, this is what I wanted to ask you, Christian, because you've been on Alabama defenses that just, like you said a minute ago, you walk on the field, you know you got them. Right. You know you got them. But uh, both offensively and defensively, there was a charge. There was an energy in the Georgia Bulldogs that I'm not sure I've ever seen it that consistent for that long um is is that just a is that just really really good coaching or i mean what fired them up like that well it's good coaching but it also is a testament to uh that that team has taken on the identity of their head coach and that's kirby smart you know all he preaches is aggression playing physical fast tough and, and just making people quit you know obviously we've heard those things before but they've taken on that identity and they take pride in it and you sense that and they're a team that you know, when they sense blood in the water, they're gonna they're gonna attack, and Ooh. that's what happened. They they sense fight? blood in the water after those first few drives. I'm telling you, you can't give a team like that that type of motivation. I mean, once and I'm telling you, once a team senses the other team is scared like that, oh man, they just start having fun. I mean, because everybody's trying to make plays at this point. I mean, you got guys getting sacks, you got guys getting tackled for losses, you got guys getting interceptions. Shoot, they're having a party out there. I, I would have loved to go in there. I mean, even the even the, the two deep guys go in there and are scoring touchdowns with ease. I mean, I've never seen it. <laughs> I mean, look, and I'm not and all respect to Georgia. I don't think this necessarily means that they're the uh, you know the the best team I've ever witnessed. However, I think it just man, they just completely outmatched TCU. And it's again, we looked at uh, they we mentioned the TCU's defense. They run that three three five defense. I, I, that's that's why I hate and they never that came out of it. Yeah, it, and it makes no why sense. Why didn't they come out of it? Just trust me, your, your guess is as good as mine, Matt. It, look, that's Stetson's running scot free on the outside because you have three down linemen. Like all the, <laughs> they just hit the edge. Nobody's on the edge. You're, you're asking the, the the safety of the linebacker to come and set the edge, but it's it's too late. You got guys pulling and, and leading the charge. It, I don't know what TCU was thinking, trying to stick with that. I guess they had some success against Michigan. They thought it could carry over. But a, a team like Georgia, you can't run that defense. And then in terms of passing the football, it's like seven on seven. There's no pass rush. Stetson's sitting back there. And that's exactly what I always refer to. When you only rush three guys and you're not getting a pass rush, that quarterback, I don't care how many guys you drop. All you need is a window. 
and Stetson was putting it right on the money, right through those windows. Yeah. You, you could see it. He would throw between three defenders, right in between them. Like, golly, man. I'd, Some I'd, of the on-camera television views showed that, too. I mean, you could just see Bowers. He would open up for just a millisecond, and boom, the ball was there. Yeah. The only thing I think I've seen in, in my life of covering college football that is remotely like that is what Alabama did to Miami in 92. Technically, it was 93, but it was 92 national championship. And that defense, Gino Toretta got to the line of scrimmage, and he was wide-eyed. He was like, what the heck are they throwing at me? I've got no idea. I'm running for my life. And as a result, Alabama dominated a very, very good Miami. Gino Toretta, I mean, Lamar Thomas, what what a great offensive team. They They just absolutely shut down Miami. But that being said, not nearly, not nearly like what Georgia did to the Horn Frogs last night. We're going to go live to Los Angeles when we come back as we'll bring in our buddy, Hank McWhorter. I wonder if he's even been to bed. You know, he is the biggest Georgia Bulldog fan that I know. He's a former co-host with me on uh, a radio show from a few years ago on a station here in Birmingham called The Zone. I can't wait to talk to Hamp. And also, one of the uh, biggest supporters of the Horn Frogs all this year is Tim, or was... Tim Brando. He's coming up a little after 1 o'clock on Big Noon Sports. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. I wanted to know why some people who get COVID-19 get it so bad. I found out it may be because they have a high risk factor, such as heart disease, diabetes, being overweight, The final, it's still difficult to read and believe and understand. 65 to 7. Stephen A. Smith said ESPN ought to refund everybody their money because that was no national championship game. We're going to be joined now by Hank McCorder, longtime radio personality, just all around good guy, maybe the biggest Georgia Bulldog fan I know. Hank, have you been to bed? Uh, yes, I have, but I haven't done much today, I can assure you. Oh, did you ever in your life? Seriously. I know how big big a fan you are, but good grief. Do you see that train no, coming? No, not like I mean, I thought Georgia would win, but uh, I was texting with some old buddies and just talking about that our parents and everybody, nobody would believe that <clears throat> this has actually come to fruition. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So it was, it was special and it was nice because you could relax last night and just enjoy it. You know, no tension. But it was, uh, it was, it was, it's unbelievable to do it two years in a row after waiting 41 years. So, yeah, the Georgia people are, couldn't be any happier. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I, I did, okay, finally. Um, I, I, I think you would know the answer to this, but you look at Georgia's schedule for next year, and it is, frankly, pathetic. Uh, they play UT Martin, Ball State, South Carolina, UAB, Auburn, Kentucky, Vanderbilt, Florida, Missouri, Ole Miss, Tennessee, Georgia Tech. Now, there are some reasons why uh, it is so it looks it looks to be so easy. And I was wondering if you could explain those reasons to our listeners. 
Yes, Georgia had scheduled a home and home with Oklahoma. Um, supposed to go to Oklahoma next year, and uh, it's kind of weird. Oklahoma's supposed to come back in like 2031 to Athens, but the SEC asked uh, Georgia to cancel that, in Oklahoma to cancel that game just because of the upcoming, their entry into the conference. So on, on the conference's request, Georgia um, and Oklahoma agreed to cancel. I think Georgia picked up Ball State. <clears throat> now, you know, it's it stinks as a fan, but uh, it is what it is, and it gives them a chance to kind of get their feet underneath them next year. Now, I, I think you're going to have to, you know, I'm not sure a, a, a loss would allow them to get in with that schedule, but, you know, that, that's for next year, and I'm just going to enjoy last night for a while. <laughs> And, but but didn't they also have a UCLA home and home canceled? They did. I'm I'm not sure if that was. Oh, I, oh, I'm sorry. Was, yeah, I'm sorry. I think it was Michigan. Michigan was yeah, supposed they, to uh, be on the schedule as well. Yeah, I mean they had a couple of things going. I know, you know, once the conference realignment happened, I know Georgia had really gotten aggressive. In one year, they're playing like FSU, Texas, and. So, I mean, they've gotten really, really aggressive with their scheduling, but like I said the conference came along, and, I mean, you start looking at it, and, and it's easier said than done, but the longest winning streak in SEC history, I think Alabama won 28 games in a row on two different occasions. <clears throat> that would be the Tennessee game next year would make it 28 if they were able to run that far. So, I, you know, I'm not saying they're going to do it. There's too much, too many variables, but – as a Georgia fan, you get kind of giddy looking at things like that. Hamp, I want to ask you a little bit about Stetson Bennett. You know, he, he started off as a walk-on. He leaves, go to, goes to JUCO, you know, comes back. At what point did y'all really, you know, buy into him at being a, a championship-caliber quarterback? And, 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 and how difficult will it be to replace a guy like him who's the most successful quarterback in school's history now? Um, and do you have any thoughts on who the next quarterback might be? Well, to answer the earlier question, the coaches had confidence in him. As a fan, I'll be honest with you, I didn't. Um, after the questionable fumble and against Alabama in the, in the fourth quarter, I was ready to put JT Daniels in then as a fan. Mm. But that's why Kirby gets $11.5 million. And after after he took us down the field, we beat Alabama. That I mean, kind of doubting Thomas here, I, I believed. And then, you know, last night he probably played as well as he ever has in a clean game. Right now, that Carson Beck is is a guy that is supposedly going to stand, you know, come in for him. He's a four star. This will be his fourth year in the program. He'll be, you know, one of those COVID, you know, juniors or whatever. Um, so, you know, I trust Todd Mock and I trust his coaching staff. Is one of the things we were talking about yesterday with my friends. I was like, you know, I know we got better players and I know we got better coaches, and they both turned out to be true. So, like I said, just going to enjoy this one. But it, it's as a Georgia fan, you just you're living a dream that you didn't think was ever going to be possible. Now, I want to ask you. You know, this is now back to back for Georgia. You know, something that's never been done in the college football playoff era. The last time it was done was with Alabama um, in the BCS era. But um, is it too soon to say that they're the new face of college football, the the new uh, dynasty, so to speak? You know, as a Georgia fan, I'd like to I'd like to think so. I mean, you went back to back. Alabama is obviously right there, but I mean, you're you're going to look. There's going to be somebody in this league, and usually two or three somebodies that are going to be up for the national championship every year. Um, Georgia is just now with Alabama, 
is in that mix. I mean, you're not going to you're not going to have too many people next year that make a playoff prediction short of maybe Desmond Howard again that doesn't have at least Alabama or Georgia in the playoff. I mean, that's just the way it is. But yeah, right now I'd like to say we're the best. We went back to back, but you know, Alabama's program historically is is the you know is a one which all are measured against. So. Georgia's goal is to get like Alabama and hopefully get better at it than Alabama. Hat McWhorter is our guest here on Big Noon Sports. I'm looking at the depth chart here real quickly. I guess it's the one that they posted last night, like on the flip charts that they give you in the press box. Am I reading mm-hmm. this right, Hamp? Is, uh, is the entire offensive line back? Well, they're going to lose their left tackle. He'll go pro. He's a, I think he's a redshirt sophomore, and he's supposedly a first-round pick. Um, the center could go, but they're going to get, you know, it's, it's where Kirby has actually done a little bit better job than, than Alabama has the last few years. They haven't missed on linemen, um, offensive linemen, whereas Alabama, I mean, everybody's recruiting those kids, but they hadn't, they hadn't panned out as well. And so I think I read that over half the team are redshirt sophomores or younger that started last night. So and Kirby builds depth. I mean, he, he, he plays a lot of people, especially on the defensive line. I mean, obviously losing to Jalen Carter is going to hurt, but they got they got they got some dudes, and he's done a great job. Going out west, and speaking of uh, doing a great job and getting Brock Bowers to Athens, Georgia, it was just a phenomenal job by uh, by Kirby uh, Bowers. To me, is uh, I think he was the best player on the field last night. And you get him for one more year because he's not eligible for the draft. But the larger question is, what what makes Kirby such a good recruiter? Well, I mean, I, I think first of all, he he took every lesson he learned from Nick. You know, Nick's got that that chart. You got to have each position has certain minimums. You got to be this tall. Your arms got to be this. I mean, all the way. And it takes somebody very very special for Nick to deviate from that. And he's not going to do it, but maybe once or twice in a class, and that kind of eliminates. You know, some misses, and, and Kirby took that formula. But he, he's just like Nick. He's just relentless. And I think it, I think he connects really, really well with the players. Um, just watching the way the players react to him. Because he drives them. I mean, if you go by that practice field, I mean, you better not take your little kids by there because he's on the microphone, and it's not G-rated. And he gets after them. And, but I think the players like it, and they play hard for him. I mean, you just watch them. They just, they just play hard. And I think that's just a tremendous uh, attribute that, that Kirby is able to instill upon him and the rest of the staff, too. He does a great job of hiring staff, and you know, that's how you win. We heard Kirby Smart you know, mention you know, how they'll have to fight entitlement, which I 100% agree with. I think that's something that Alabama has been fighting with over the past few years. How difficult do you feel like that's going to be for Kirby Smart to do now that they've won two back-to-back national championships? You know, I think that the, the good thing is it's the same thing at Alabama. I mean, there there is some of that, but then if you've got the right leaders, they know what it takes to get it done. They know when you're falling short of, of, of that effort. Sure. I think the, I think the main problem for Georgia is going to be, you know, besides you know looking at the schedule, are they able to stay focused? And then obviously you got to have a quarterback because if you don't get you know good quarterback play, you you just can't win. And they've gotten it for the last two years. And it's going to be necessary for for whomever is playing quarterback at Georgia next year to play at a high level if Georgia wants to compete at a high level. 
what what did you think of the stadium last night? I, I, I heard uh, just so many, or I was, I was following a bunch of different college football writers. It was their first experience at at, uh, at that stadium. Uh, saying that it was absolutely the greatest venue they've ever been to. I, I know that, that tailgating wasn't, uh, I don't believe tailgating was allowed before the game, but uh, just what was the, the fan experience like for you last night? I loved it. I mean, I'm I'm old school and traditionalist, but you know, I went to the Rose Bowl and that was nice and I checked the box, but uh, give me that stadium last night, especially with it raining. Um I mean, it's just a very weird day in Los Angeles. 52 and rainy is not what you expect when you get out here. But I, I thought it was a great place to watch a game. Now, there were some issues because it's, you know, it's open air but covered. And you had a lot of moisture on a lot of places that um, I don't think are really weatherproof. I heard a bunch of people slip and fall. Um, but it was, I thought the venue was great. I saw it, sat the first part of the game up, like the first row of the, upper deck and it was a great seat and moved down with some buddies later on and there's not a bad seat in there and it's you know that's what six billion dollars ought to get you <laughs> it looked really cool on television yeah uh, and then then it it was neat it was, california's I mean, entire coast go go ahead no it, you're right it, it's that was one of the reasons i was really excited about going uh, other reasons as well but i was really looking forward to seeing that stadium and and, it, and it, it lived up to the billing. And, and back to part of no tailgating, that was, you know, all the Georgia people were upset, thought it was one of those California deals, but it's a college football playoff rule. Um, they said they don't have enough parking spots and they want people putting up tents and things like that. And, of course, when I was walking the game, I saw a ton of parking spots, but that's that's neither here nor there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know you got a flight to catch, but I'm not sure you need a plane to get back. Uh, you can probably just no, fly solo. Ham. Yeah, it, it's good. It's good. It's it's fun. I'm not going to lie, and I appreciate y'all checking in on me, making sure I'm alive. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I thought about you a few times last night, Hamp. We'll see when you get back. Thank you. Yeah, safe travels. Sure thing. Got Next hour, we'll have Tim Brando on Big Noon Sports. From T Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Want to know what's going on with the Crimson Tide? Download the Tide 100.9 app today. Meet Joe A, Joe B, and Joe C. What's up? Three everyday Joes perfecting their banking with Chase. Joe A is locking his lost debit card with the Chase mobile app. Joe B is... Tomorrow, a mix of sun and clouds with a high at 69. Thursday, cloudy with rain and strong thunderstorms moving in. The high 68. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 59 degrees in Tuscaloosa. seen in the past couple seasons now really they've taken hold of college football they did an unbelievable job uh this is a young football team this isn't an old football team with a bunch of guys losing that listen the nfl can take its chunk out of any team dominance and then you know i, I had nothing to do with taking a shot at nick and I, I nick didn't say a word and he wasn't upset in the slightest bit so it was not Dang. a shot Dang. at nick i think alabama fans took a 
<laughs> took offense to it. Hey, that's yeah. David Pollack talking about who's the new king of uh, college football. Yeah. So he, he said uh, what we didn't hear in that clip is that Georgia, if, you, if you've seen them the last couple of seasons, they've taken over college football. And he is sitting literally two feet away from Nick Saban. And Saban's response went viral. Like he, he, his eyes dropped as Pollock was saying that. And he, I think, had to do everything in his power to restrain himself from not uh, firing back. And for Pollock to suggest that Nick Saban was not upset by those remarks, completely false. Completely false, in my view. Because you just look at the body language and you look at Saban's response, not happy about that. Christian, did you did you get a chance to see that? Yeah, I, I don't think it was so much, you know, he was restraining himself. I don't think he would ever act in that manner. I think it was more so he kind of felt a little awkward. Um, and how could you not? I think it was kind of just – I know David, Paul, David Pollock didn't necessarily, you know, um, have any ill will when he was saying it. I think it's more so him excited – uh, that his alma mater uh, is having such great success. Um, but it just kind of put Coach Saban in an awkward position, right? Because he's the head coach of Alabama, who's typically known to be the standard of college football. And for someone just to say that like that, um, to seem kind of careless almost, maybe, to an extent. But, uh, I mean, he's entitled to feel how he feels. You know, again, that he's going to be biased towards Georgia. That's his alma mater and uh again you have to you know tip your hat to them and give them the respect that they are back-to-back national champions i mean could we look at factors that when they played alabama last year they were missing their two best wide receivers in that game sure or in the fact that alabama beat them last year in the sec championship game so i mean it is what it is you know again everybody's entitled to their opinions but i think you just put coach saban in a a difficult situation because obviously, I mean, he's the head coach of Alabama and he would probably love to, you know, defend his, his team um, that he cares so deeply for. But um, I think he handled it well, uh, better than uh, anybody else could have. I know if that was me, I might've had to intervene and, and make a comment. <laughs> Well, that's yeah. what I'm saying. I, I think just by uh, Coach Saban's physical reaction that he sh- he did show restraint, but also to me it indicated that he wasn't pleased no. with the remark. I don't, I don't think he and, was, and but it, I think he played his hand well. Right. Let's just let that fly. We'll set it on the football field. Exactly. Yeah. So that's exactly what he was thinking, although – you know, I, I kind of wanted him to say something, but, what but in would retrospect, he, but what would he say, though? But think about it. What, would, what, would, what could he say right there? That, You're full of crap. Come you, on, meet me outside. <laughs> <laughs> that would be funny. No, I mean, there's there, there not a lot to say. At the time, uh, That that I mean, there uh, TCU was uh, getting blown out. Georgia was blowing them out 38-7, to and the game was uh, basically over at that point and so what 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 can coach Saban say but I'm just wondering if this moment Matt will have legs like is this going to be something that we're going to be talking about before let's say the SEC championship game next year yeah if it's Alabama Georgia I'm sure we'll go back to it again It, it just it just felt like that okay this is this is not just some passing comment you uh, to me it was disrespectful correct it was it, i think it, it was borderline I, I think i kind of agree with you guys uh, uh but you know you kind of get it's live tv there's no net you get caught up in the emotion and i think he let it fly right but uh do i think nick saban will remember it when they meet again next time 
Heck yes. Christian, how do you think the I can answer that for you. I know exactly the answer. That's definitely going to be um, uh, shared with with the team moving forward. And it's not going to be in a way like, oh, they're just going to say it every day. But there's going to be a team meeting or two along the way. And he's going to reference that. And it's not no, it's not so much a shot at Georgia. It's going to say he's going to say, "Look, I was doing uh, a TV segment, and guess what they said? They said that you know Georgia um, has taken over college football. He's going to he's definitely going to use that as motivation. I mean, why why wouldn't he? I think that's a smart thing to do. I know when I was playing there, there would be times that we'd get some some bulletin board material, and uh, it would be shared amongst us." Um, so I see this being no different. And, and, and again, I, I don't think it was uh, David trying to be slight. I think it was one of those things. He was excited and, and passionate about his program. He kind of just, like Matt said, almost let it slip, uh, forgetting that the head coach of Alabama is sitting right next to him. But, you know, all is fair. And love is war. So we'll, 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 we'll have an interesting uh, season next year, I believe, uh, between these two programs if we can you know finally get to play each other again. Yes or no, as we go to the top of the hour, Tim Brando is next hour. Did Affleck pay him to wear that jacket? Probably. I think it's part of his package deal. <laughs> it could be. <laughs> Who knows? I mean, that, it looked like the very same. We'll be back with more Big Noon Sports. Smooth skin begins with hydrating ingredients. Olay Hyaluronic Body Lotion nourishes your skin with all-day hydration for deeply moisturized results that... Welcome back to Big Noon Sports with Lars Anderson, Matt Coulter, and Christian Miller. Yes, Nick Saban on the set with ESPN last night talking about second and 26. When uh, Tua came in off the bench and threw to Smith, touchdown Alabama, and the rest of national championship history. However, in the last couple of years, it's been Georgia. Georgia one time, Georgia two times. Can they three-peat? You are listening to Big Noon Sports. It's Christian, it's Lars, it's Matt, and our uh, usual cast of characters. Uh, as as we talk about Georgia's 65-7, to 65-7. to seven. Christian, I've, I've said it out loud about 15 times today, and it's still very, very difficult to believe. Let's take the other side of the field. Uh, after a remarkable season full of comebacks, full of great stories, including Max Duggan, where does TCU go now? Well, you know, I would say back to the drawing board. You know, obviously um, they played a phenomenal season, um, but they, they fell short last night, and I think that just goes to show that they still have some more work to do. Um, and I would say that, you know, they, they don't need to hold their heads down um, because I, I think just the fact that they made it to the national championship game in itself is is a large um, and a massive accomplishment for that program and, and Sonny, Sonny Dykes as well. So, I think they just need to go back to the drawing board and just and just figure out, hey, you know what, what could we do better when facing an opponent like like we faced last night? Because clearly, you know, Georgia had an edge on them, and it wasn't even close. 
Um, so it, it appears to me they have some more work to do, whether that's, um, you know, looking at, you know, how they can get better up front at the line of scrimmage. You know, I don't know if that's, you know, getting different guys in there, changing things schematically. Um, I don't know. I'd have to really, you know, look at, at the film again and look at their roster and, and figure things out. But uh, clearly the, uh, that, that to me, you know, it's one thing if it's like, hey, you know, we lost that football game, right? But we at least standed a chance and, and it could have gone either way. But this was not that. This this was uh, an annihilation. This this was far from anything but a fair football game. So I think they go back to the drawing board and, and they get back to work. But I, I think they'll be a, a pretty good team to come. You know, they, they've got um, several guys coming in from the transfer portal. Um, and, and it seems like they have somewhat of a, of a good game plan um, with the guys that they have and developing those guys. So I think uh, they have a good shot at, at, you know, maybe making a run again. But but to me, they're they're just they're they're far off from um, the apex of college football with teams like like Georgia's and, and and probably Alabama as well. You know, I think if Alabama played TC, would probably would have been a similar result um, just because they are similar to Georgia. Christian, as a player, would you have rather not, if you're from the TCU perspective, would you have rather not just played in that game at all? Like, uh, and what I'm really getting at was more harm than good done to the perception of TCU and to the uh, legacy of this team just the fact that they played in that game and it was the worst blowout not just in national championship history but in bowl history mm, yeah Ouch. you know and I, I know exactly what you're saying and uh, you know first i would say obviously you, you'd want to play in that football game because you at least have a chance right you know it's it's 50 50, uh, 50 50 chance you'll be a national championship so on that on that end of course yeah you want to play however hypothetically speaking so what you're saying i i that loss was bad, Lars. It was bad. You know that that, that <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know it was it was terrible. I mean, like, there's no other way to say. It. I mean, it it was it was embarrassing. It was embarrassing. I mean, and we saw the flack that that Notre Dame caught when they lost so badly to Alabama um, in the national championship down in Miami. And I feel like this is similar. And and, and it's 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 amazing how we went from you know TCU. Wow, they proved so many people. I was one of them. I was like, man, they proved a lot of people wrong. They went out there and they handled their business against Michigan. You know, maybe we are sleeping on these guys and and uh, not giving them the credit they deserve. But then they go out there against Georgia, and again, Georgia's a great football team, but a sixty-five to seven loss in the national championship. Hell, they honestly might as well have not even showing up to the building. They might as well have just handed yeah. the trophy to Georgia before the game started. I mean, it just is embarrassing. They and I could understand if they looked, you know, like they really had some competitive fire and they were really, but they just, they looked deflated since the first quarter. They like, again, they just looked like they didn't even want to play against Georgia. They looked inferior. Like their spirit what, was just down. What was Matt? What was it that Kirby smart said right before the game is like, we're hunting. Yeah. He said, we're not the hunter. Uh, oh, we're going we're to be the like, hunters. We're not like, going to be the hunted. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, he, and, and when he said that, I was like, uh-oh. Well, and, and he used the word <laughs> aggression and aggressive all the time I leading mean, up to this game. Like, we're going to be aggressive, they're not, they were. Kirby's not messing around tonight. Uh, no, and that, that's... And, and Christian... Yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just saying that's, Sorry, I that's just wanted what, to... I just, yeah, go yeah, ahead. Sorry. Uh, I wanted to follow up because you have been in those games where... 
you, uh, as an Alabama player, it's like you guys have won the game before the kickoff. Right. Uh, because of the intimidation factor, the Alabama factor. I've been down on the field many times, and uh, it's like it, it, before games, and it's like the other team finally sees you guys face-to-face, and they're just like, oh, my God, they are so big, and they are so athletic. And it's like they realize that they have no chance in Hades of beating you. Mm-hmm. And that certainly was what it felt like last night. But you as as a player, did you – and you've talked about it a little bit, but, but did you guys sense that sometimes? Oh, definitely. You know, and – whether it's because they just watched us on tape and they, they, they've seen what we do to other teams or, you know, or, or even if it's just um, that that identity that we have. You know, again, when people hear Alabama, the first thing they think of is, you know, winners, you know, big, fast, strong, physical. Um, and, and, and that plays a role. You know, that's in the back of guys' minds. I mean, even when we play teams when they come to Bryant-Denny Stadium, like I, I've witnessed teams going out and taking pictures on the field because of how remarkable – of a program Alabama is. I've watched them pregame, like take pictures of each other on the logo, like that they're playing Alabama. And I think it's just one of those things where when you build that type of identity, um, it always is going to work in your favor. And, and, and you look at guys like uh, Jalen Carter, who, who, you know, are just so dominant and disruptive up front. I think that's where it starts. And that's where that intimidation factor starts. So you just watch the way Georgia plays. They're physical and they're nasty. You watch the offensive linemen, I mean, they're going out there. They're blocking guys to the whistle. They're playing with an attitude. And the same thing defensively. Like, it just the way they play is so aggressive. Like Kirby Smart says, like, again, they've taken on the identity of that team, uh, or, or of their head coach. And because I don't know if you guys have heard this, but if you you haven't, we can't play it on here. Uh, by any means, it's, it's the, <laughs> way too many uh, explicit, explicit words in there. But Kirby Smart's pregame speech before the game last night, did y'all get a chance to hear that? Like in the locker room? Like, I have not, actually. No, okay, I haven't well, heard During the break, just go listen to that. No way we can play it on the radio because he probably cusses every other word. But go listen to that, and then you'll understand why Georgia played the way they played. And it'll, it'll all make sense, I'm telling you. Teams take on the identity of their coaches and, and their influences. And when you have a coach that's really getting at you and motivating you and yelling at you and, and, and telling you all these things and hyping you up the way that he does them and in references the work that they've put in. That's what he's saying. Like we're more than effing prepared for this moment. Like he's like, we've already done the work. There's no reason to be nervous. F that go, go and punch somebody in there. They're like, y'all just have to go. I can't even, <laughs> I can't even reference it. Cause it's, but it, man, it's amazing. My, matter of fact, one of my guys I played with Keith, Holcomb, uh, Keith Holcomb, he had just sent it to me uh, not too long ago. And he was just like, damn, Hell, I want to go strap up for Georgia after hearing that. And I was like, hey, you're not wrong, man. I mean, that's that that's the motivation factor. Um, okay, so do pregame speeches really work? I, is the question. Like when I was working on uh, the book, uh, uh, a season in the sun. Uh, Tom Brady told me what he said to the players in the locker room before the game. All the coaches had left before the Super Bowl against the Chiefs, and he said, "Hey." We're playing for our families. We're playing for our family name. We're playing for our legacy. And and the response that he got, because Tom is not a big pregame speech guy, right. it was just like an explosion of emotion. Mm-hmm. And it, like at that moment, like Tom told me like, that there's no way we're losing this game. 
But but to you, Christian, do you believe in the power of a pregame speech? Yes and no, right? I, I think there's several factors. Number one, uh, it depends on the person delivering the speech, right? If it's somebody who is a leader themselves and that, that um, a lot of guys respect, it's definitely going to resonate uh, much more effectively than if it's somebody who doesn't always practice what they're, they they preach and they're kind of just what we call, you know, speaking rah-rah, just making a bunch of noise, you know. Um, but I think they, they do. And, and uh, it's one of those things where you, you just have to just say the right things to really get your guys going. And, and that's what Kirby's doing. And he's which is just doing it in such a passionate way. And it's coming from the leader, the guy that leads them through everything. And he's basically what he's doing is he's just he's hounding on the fact that, like, think about how hard you guys work. Like no one prepares. And it's crazy just saying this stuff because that's exactly what Coach Cochran and everybody used to um, echo to us. Like no one works like we work. We're Alabama. There's no one like us. And they're instilling this mindset in you that, man, nobody can. Like we're Alabama. We're the best of the best. Like nobody can mess with us. So every time we go out on the field, we believe that. We truly believe no one is as, is as prepared as us. They're no they're nowhere near as disciplined as us. They're no, nowhere as near fast, strong, physical. And so when you go out there, you just have this overwhelming sense of confidence because of, of what you're being told. And, and it's just and it's truly being echoed um, throughout the organization. So, yeah, Lars, I, th- I think those pregame speeches do work, especially when you have an effective leader um, presenting it to you. And he's hitting the right um, points of emphasis that really just um, touch with you. You know what I mean? Like they, they hit the right spot and, and really resonate with that person or that team. As we go to break, let's hear it. This is Kirby Smart before the national championship game last night, edited for television. want to hear from Tim Brando, and we'll do that on the other side of the break right here on Big Noon Sports. More Big Noon Sports coming up. Ray Maliotz here for eBay Motors. Okay, easy now. You're teaching your kid how to parallel park. Ouch! (laughs) Turns out tomorrow a mix of sun and clouds with a high at 69. Thursday, cloudy with rain and strong thunderstorms moving in. The high 68. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 61 degrees in Tuscaloosa. W237K, Birmingham. Back on Big Noon Sports, Christian Miller, Lars Anderson, Matt Coulter. you got Jock, Joe, and Aiden behind the scenes. 
want to remind you that we also have our website up. Our Twitter feed is up. You can go to our website at BigNoonSports.com, and the Twitter feed is at BigNoonSports. So log in, listen, real easy to access the show live through both of those particular platforms. Um, waiting on Tim Brando. We'll get him on here in just a minute. Uh, he was a big, big, big TCU guy all year long. So I'm very interested to see what he's got to say. But uh, in a matter of fact, why don't we just bring him on and talk to him right now? Tim Brando of Fox Sports, who is a, a very good friend of the show. Tim, how are you? And what the heck happened? I'm great. I couldn't be better. Uh, well, sometimes blowouts happen. Uh, Matt, I mean, they just do. And, you know, I, I equate it a little bit to uh, uh, an NCAA tournament situation where you've got a team that would be considered, oh, say, a, uh, you know, a five or a six seed that's playing for an opportunity against a one seed to win their way to the Final Four, and they're playing in the regional finals, so it's the Elite Eight. And you win the game, so you're in the Final Four. You know, it's exciting, it's awesome, it's great. You played super basketball to get there. and uh, But then you go to the championship, the Final Four, you go to that national semifinal, and you're playing on a on a much larger stage. I really thought that's what TCU looked like last night. You heard Sonny Dykes at halftime when he was being interviewed uh, by Molly McGrath. I believe he said, I see some wide-eyed guys on my sidelines over here. That's not good. Okay. The moment was too large for them. And uh, you didn't see that when they played uh, in the Fiesta Bowl against Michigan. I mean, they were, yeah, they, they had a couple of pick sixes, but they made great plays to force those pick sixes. And they they <laughs> did not allow Michigan to pound the rock. Uh, Michigan had that one big running play on the first play from scrimmage, but TCU limited uh, Michigan's run game. So they were physical enough in the semifinals, but they, they were just outmanned, uh, outplayed, and outcoached in every way imaginable last night. So, hey, you know, it happened. And um, congratulations to Georgia. They they clearly were the better team and, and in a dominant fashion disposed of TCU. But I, I will reject, okay, the, the notion, and I believe it was Herb Street that brought it up, Kirk brought it up late in the game. And when you're in the middle of a uh, blowout situation and you're emptying the bucket, it's going to happen at some point. You begin to talk about, uh, well, what does this mean? Okay, what's happening here? I think Chris may have put it that way. And and Herbie went on to say, and I admire Kirk, I do. He sees all the best teams every week. But uh, he said, well, this is going to further the narrative that the Big Ten and the SEC are just that much better than everybody else. I completely disagree with that. Completely disagree with that. And I think the major reason for that is they beat the best team in the Big Ten that blew out the very team that Georgia barely beat to get to the championship game. So it's about matchup. Uh, and, and, and this particular matchup, mentally and physically, TCU just got whooped, absolutely whooped in every uh, imaginable way. That's why you play the game. But... Um, they were very deserving to be where they were. They earned the right to be where they were. And they did it in the Big 12 before either Texas or OU did. And those are blue blood. And they, they, they never, Texas never got there. And OU never got past the semifinal. Okay, Tim, I, I want to talk about Stetson Bennett. Um, is he now on the short list of greatest college 
quarterbacks of all time, leading Georgia to back-to-back national championships. And can we say that he is the greatest walk-on of all time? <laughs> I mean, uh, you look at the list of walk- the, the greatest walk-ons, uh, Baker Mayfield, uh, Hunter Renfro, J.J. Uh, Watt, Clay Matthews at USC, Jim Leonard going back at, at Wisconsin. Uh, and, and there's, it's not a, a real long list, but, uh, just your thoughts on Stetson Bennett and, and his place in history. Well, he's, uh, uh, Lars, he's deserving of all the accolades. I mean, um, I just got through a short time ago, uh, unlike the Heisman, the Manning award doesn't mind letting you know how you voted. I've, I, I just got through uh, voting for him for the Manning award, which is the only quarterback award that waits until after all the games are played. Uh, before the announcement. And, uh, you know, I voted Duggan uh, number one for my Heisman. I thought if he had gotten an opportunity to, to uh, sneak it in in the Big 12 championship game, they would have been undefeated, and he would he would be the reason why. Uh, he wasn't even started at the beginning of the season. But after last night, I mean, that was a clinic he put on. I think I, I saw one bad pass. Everything else was just absolutely perfect. Um, he is a movie waiting to be made. No question about that. Uh, so to answer your question, all of the above, <laughs> the answer to your question, all of them, okay, all of the above, he deserves to be at the very top of that list. I will say, though, I'll give you this caveat. In today's college football, all right, it's not uncommon to find 24, 25, 26-year-old guys playing at the college level because of the, the COVID year and because of the uh, opportunities to transfer uh, we've got a lot of guys that are playing the game that are in their mid-20s. And, and he's 25, and he played like it. He was by far one of the most mature football players at the quarterback position we've ever seen uh, in a national championship situation. So he did have that advantage. But, um, my goodness, everything he got, he earned. So I, I, I'm right there with you on that. Tim, do you feel that last night's win by Georgia was – a testament to their superiority, or do you just feel that TCU was just that much lesser of an opponent? What, what would you say after watching that football game? I would say that they got outplayed, outcoached, outmanned. I, I don't think TCU is any lesser of an opponent because of the uh, the numbers there, 65-7. to 7. You played the game, okay? You know how the emotions of the game can be. And when you're on that stage and you're playing it, now the difference, I made the analogy of the NCAA tournament in the Final Four. You know, when you're calling a game from courtside, you can see the eyes of the players. Uh, in football, you don't really get to see the eyes, but you can tell with cutaway shots and you can see, if you're watching the game closely, what's happening. And after Georgia scored that touchdown so easily to McConkey to answer the TCU touchdown when it was 10-7, to and he was wide open on a busted coverage. And that was that was Hodges Tomlinson, one of the best defensive backs that TCU has. And he, he, he just busted his coverage. You know, he let him go thinking he had, you know, help uh, behind him, and he didn't. So when that happened as easily as it did, you know, in my mind, it was like, uh-oh, this one is going to be tougher than, than, than they ever imagined. And then you saw Duggan try too hard, press way too much, throw into coverage, and the turnover brigade occurred, and, and, and all of a sudden, 17-7 to 7 is 38-7 to 7 by halftime. That happens in the college game. 
because of the emotions and the way it's played. You don't see that on Sundays in the NFL, by and large, but you do see it in college. The game got away from it, and it's not the first time in a, in a national championship situation that's happened. You know, we saw it happen with Florida State and Oklahoma one year. We saw it. We've, not to that point, 65-7 to seven was just a byproduct of Georgia proving its point. I mean, Kirby clearly had the ears of his guys after they almost blew the Ohio State game. They got outplayed. He said they got outplayed. And I'm sure he coached with that kind of them and vigor through the course of the week in preparation. Meanwhile, TCU coming off its largest win in program history to beat Michigan to get that team where they were and then hearing it all week long on the campus at Fort Worth. The ebb and flow of emotions in a game for the national championship and the aftermath of those two semifinal games, it's not uncommon to see that happen. I don't think TCU is inferior. I don't think TCU has anything to apologize for by virtue of being there uh, because they won a game there. They beat Michigan there. You know, an undefeated number two team, uh, in the country, and so they earned the right to be there. Uh, and I, and I know where a lot of this is coming from, guys. It's coming in your corner of the world. It's coming in <laughs> Alabama from a group of pissed off fans that believe that every playoff they should be part of. Guess what? You lost two games. Now you lost two games at the end, uh, the final plays of games. Yeah, you could have also lost a few other games that you happened to win. All right, Nick looked really good in that royal blue athletic outfit. He did a great job. You should be happy he gave you all that great publicity. It'll help with recruiting, but shut the hell up. You didn't deserve to be in the playoff. Period. Uh, uh, yeah, Tim, I don't know. I can't. I don't know if I can agree with you on that one. Only because I look. Well, I, you don't have to. You don't have to. Yeah. You can disagree with me as much as you like, but I, I, I see this stuff on social media, and I'm here to tell you. The condescending attitude of much of that particular portion of the Bama fan base not only makes Alabama look bad, it makes the entire Southeast Corridor look bad. It's awful. You play the game, you win your way in, or you lose your way out. This year, Alabama lost its way out. The fact that TCU got blown out is superfluous to Alabama's play. To try to pin that on TCU to make your chest you know, of crimson that much larger, go ahead, look in the mirror all you want. You didn't get there. That's that. Kirby's king. Nick is still a god, but Kirby's king right now. Okay? That's that. Yeah, when I was saying I didn't agree with you, I'm referring to, like, the you're saying the the energy and the, the, the stage of the game being a, a large factor. And I'm just saying, I, I as a player, I can't see that. Um, resulting in a 65 to 7 blowout. And I do agree that that can play a role in a game, but it, when it comes down to a championship, you know, you got to show up or, or show out. But I, look, I, I see what you're saying about what people, you know, they're bringing up Alabama. And I, I understand, you know, people are going to do that just because they always do that. I'm not coming from that, that stance. So I don't want you to think yeah. I'm part of that. Um, because right. the fact of the matter is, I, look, people are going to do that because they, they care so much for Alabama as part of it. But, I did want to ask you, though, in terms of, um, you know, how does Georgia, you know, follow this up now? You know, they, they're losing their, their most prized quarterback in Stetson Bennett, um, you know, and, and, and like Kirby alluded to, that they're going to start having to fight off that entitlement factor. You know, how difficult do yeah. you think that's you going know, to be? Yeah. yeah, I hear you, Chris. Let me, let me say this to you. Uh, what, it was really funny to me 
when I see and 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 Lars as a as a longtime media guy, you'll you'll understand this too because you're you're there, you live where you live, and I live where I live. The national narrative on Georgia being disrespected, okay, and you know nobody thought we could do this, and nobody that that, that Kirby played all year long that worked so very well for him somehow some way. He convinced his guys that they were underdogs all season long. That's a byproduct of where Georgia is situated and the daily soap opera in the SEC about is it us or is it Bama? That's what this is all about. And he was able to really pull off a saving that you were disrespected. And uh, I give him a lot of credit. But it's all about Bama. That's where that whole Georgia edge comes from. All about the seeds sown by Saban and Ben. Hey, Timmy, uh, can you hang on? I still, we still have a couple more questions. I just don't know how you are on time. Can you hang on another 10, 15 minutes, 10, 12? Yeah, I'm fine. I'm absolutely fine. Right, no problem, good. Matt. I gave you a walk on that you'll. He wasn't a quarterback. Okay. Isaiah Moses Hip. Alabama fans, my age. Remember, I am 131, Nebraska. Another Nebraska mention. Isaiah Moses hit. Both times today, Christian first and then me. We brought more Huskers up first. Tim Brando continues on Big Noon Sports. Go Big Red. This is Big Noon Sports with Lars, Matt, and Christian. You know that Big Bargain detergent jug is 85% water, right? 85% water? I thought I was getting a better deal because it's so big. If you want a better claim... Back on Big Noon Sports, you can uh, look up our website now at bignoonsports.com and follow us on Twitter at Big Noon Sports. Tim Brando is our guest here for just a couple more minutes. Uh, I'm just going to ask a, kind of a superficial question. Have you been to SoFi, done a game there? Was it, is it as impressive in person as it was on television last night? I have not. I look forward to going. I understand that some of the people in the upper decks weren't that impressed because the rain did come in. And it had the yeah. concourse pretty slippery. Um, I don't know how that happened. Maybe there was a leak. I thought the, the top of it was closed. So, no, I have not. I look forward to going uh, to do a game there at some point in time. But it would more than likely have to be a, you know, a Pac-12 championship or something like that because none of the colleges, at least for now, are playing there. Tim, uh, media question for you. When it's a blowout yeah. like that, if, either in a basketball game you're calling or a football game, uh, it's got to be sort of your worst nightmare. How, how do yeah. you fill the airtime, and are you just praying for this thing to have basically a running clock? Well, you're opening the bucket list out. And, I, you know, I thought Chris and, and Kirk did a great job. I did take issue with just that one blanket statement about furthering the narrative about SEC and Big Ten supremacy because, gosh, you know, TCU had just beaten the Big Ten champion <laughs> that beat Ohio State uh, soundly, and, uh, and and that same Ohio State team almost beat Georgia. But, but look, if, if that's what you do, and, and that's what you have to do in situations like that, is go to 30,000 feet and talk about the big picture. Generally speaking, you're going to piss off some fans along the way, 
you know, people are going to take issue with, you know, some of your thoughts. But those are free forum thoughts that, you know, only if you don't go there, Lars, then, you know, your time and temperature, you're just giving down and distance and who carried the ball. I mean, people are going to fall asleep on you. So, you know, the hardcores are staying with you and you need to, you know, sort of change your broadcast instead of going to, uh, you know, instead of thinking about the masses that are watching, your fan base is now dwindled down to those that just are really passionate and love their team. When a guy like Nick Saban comes in and makes an appearance, certainly it's good good for the image, it's good for Alabama. But um, right. do they pay him? Do they pay him to do that? <laughs> no, I, I, I don't think so. Um, but but let's just say, let's just say that uh, whatever Nick wants, at some point in time, he's going to get as it relates to, you know, uh, getting to and from and those kinds of things. They'll do that for him. Uh, that's my guess. I'm not sure. I don't know their business, but but um, but no. Listen, it is great for Alabama, and it is it's it's great for the Southeastern Conference that Nick is there, and he's almost always there if he's not playing in the game. He's going to be there, you know, analyzing the game. I thought he was brilliant. I've always said this. In fact, I've had conversations with him about it. I would love to see him win his seventh at Alabama and uh, and then take on a position as, as college football czar of some kind, you know, someone that could be a consultant for the future of the sport and uh, and be a broadcaster. He would be magnificent at it. Uh, just as you like to hear a, a quarterback like Romo or Peyton Manning talking about a play before it happens from a quarterback perspective, my goodness, from a defensive point of view, who wouldn't want to hear what, Nick is saying about the guy's looks of uh, you know this blitz or delayed blitz that might be coming. He would be he would be TV gold. You know he really would be. Tim, you look at Georgia's schedule next year, and uh, you know, frankly, it's a joke. Uh, UT Martin, Ball State, South Carolina, UAB, Auburn, Kentucky, Vanderbilt, Florida, Missouri, Ole Miss, Tennessee, Georgia Tech. Uh, they probably won't be threatened unless Spencer Rattler uh, comes back, and I think he's going to make a decision today uh, for South Carolina. They won't be threatened until late in the year. Um, do you have a, a a way too early sort of top three teams that you're looking at already for 2023? No, I don't. I don't. I'm not into that. I will say when Herbie went down the list of those non-conference games. I was saying, well, there's another issue that the SEC needs to continue to address. Uh, you know, I don't mind necessarily the early games, but I do mind them when they play them in November. Uh, one of the things that I think you know Nick wants to get fixed, and he'll probably be able to, to get some ears when he's no longer coaching, but you know, moving to nine conference games absolutely has to happen uh, to get rid of one of those godforsaken games. And, and also, college football, especially when we're going to a – uh, a 12-team playoff, and maybe even a 16, I think, the year following in 25, we might get to that. We've got to find a way to make scheduling, uh, you know, more stabilized across, at the very least, the Power Five, so that, uh, you know, real legitimate records are, you know, all 12 and O's aren't created equal. I think we all know that. But, you know, having a non-conference schedule that includes not just one, but two really quality opponents, and maybe even playing real road games as opposed to neutral site games. You know, we got to get someone, 
you know, in a position of power within the construct of college football to do what the NFL does for itself. And that is give us the kind of matchups every week that all of America wants to see. I mean, that's, there's, there's, there's not much secret to why the NFL draws twice as many viewers as college football does. We know we're going to get better matchups and great matchups every week. Whereas in college football, we may have one week where there's eight marquee games and the next week we're lucky if we have two. We got to, we got to find a way to have all of the major conferences work with one another from a scheduling standpoint. So it's not just regionally based, but nationally based. I, I heard Greg Sankey talking about the playoff and going to Congress next week, uh, trying to get some help. We have a national sport now. And, and the NIL's got to be legislated nationally because every state is different. Well, every conference is different, too. So the leaders of conferences have got to begin to work together, sharing knowledge to make the totality of the sport better across the board. And that, frankly, is another reason why I'm a proponent of when Saban does step away, that he gets involved in those aspects of the game. I, I think he'd be tremendous in helping it. Tim, as always, we appreciate your time. What's your next game as far as hoops are concerned, and how can people follow you on social media? Well, I'm sure they're already following me after my little dissertation there in the opening segment. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, We're, we've been tagging but, uh, some of those, Timmy. <laughs> you may oh, want to yeah. shut it down for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> it's at Tim Brando. Timmy B on Fox on Instagram. I've got a Friday night game at Illinois. Tom Izzo and the Spartans are playing in Champaign. And then on Sunday... Right before the NFL playoffs wrap, and I will have a great one between Marquette and Xavier in the Big East at 11 Central Time on Fox. Ooh, back to back. Give it. Go. Tim, thank you. Safe travels, Tim. That's Tim. You're listening to Big Noon Sports. One thing that I absolutely love, it was like maybe the – the one thing I'll remember about this game, other than there just being an absolute slump, I mean, just I, I, I'm supposed to be a broadcaster, and I still have a hard time describing what happened last night. But an observation from Matt when we wrap up in a minute. Oh, this is the Big Noon Sports Network. Want to know what's going on with the Crimson Tide? Download the Tide 100.9 app today. I always wanted to learn Spanish, but I never thought I'd have the time. Then I discovered Babbel. Babbel's lessons are fun. They only take like 10 or 15 minutes, and in three weeks, presto. Tomorrow, a mix of sun and clouds with a high at 69. Thursday, cloudy with rain and strong thunderstorms moving in, the high 68. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 62 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Especially this one. I mean, you know, long past this time, you know, we're probably not going to remember the wins and losses or, or stuff like that, but we're going to remember the men in that locker room, the guys that, you know, we got to grow up with that, you know, we learn more about, you know, when when, when stuff got tough um, and, and things kind of got hard, you saw what type of men that we got in our locker room that continue to fight, believe. Um, it, it's such a fun group to go to work with. You know, it's the little stuff that you got to remember about this season, you know, probably less about the, the wins and losses, but, you know, what, what great men we got. Max Duggan.
showing his class once again. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, really pull for that guy. And TCU is a program in the future. Last night, and I, I can't specifically tell you at what point in the game, it was later, and I think it was the student section, but they were panning the crowd, and it was all Georgia red and black. It's just, and they're going crazy. They're just loving it. And in the middle of them, standing, uh, actually very uh, uh, a very statuesque pose, was a guy in a master's white jumpsuit. Did you see that? I did not. He was he had a, the the green masters catwalk. He the only thing he could have had to make it more realistic is if he had the eighteenth flag. <laughs> it was did, so am I the like only a, one that saw looked, that? Looked like a caddy. Yeah, I mean he was dressed in in the masters whites. Yeah, in the, what they call a boiler suit, I think is what they say. The white jumpsuits that all caddies wear at the masters. Somebody, please, somebody. I guess I'm, I'm Josh. Did you see that, Joe? Aiden, anybody at Tide got to just dream that? Was that like last night or just went to bed? And I swear. He, and he might have been holding something like a flag or something like that. Boy, y'all are just leaving me hanging out. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. I mean. I, you know what? I it, I really, I had the game on, but I wasn't paying that much attention. I think I was. Well, just, late in the second half, I was watching, I was catching up on Yellowstone. Yeah. Not really. Um, I'm just, I I feel bad for TCU, and I I really think Christian that this is going to set the program back, and I I know it is it's terrific that they reached the national championship game, uh, their win over Michigan, uh, biggest win in school history. Uh, but that was when they got all everything went their way, right? The two pick sixes, some fumbles, and 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 their quarterback made some incredible plays with his feet and his arm. But all of that is overshadowed by the absolute worst drubbing. Let's just put it the way it is. It was the worst drubbing, considering the moment, considering the context of the importance of the game. The worst rubbing in college football history. Documented score-wise. I mean, it, it, do you agree, Christian, that there is sort of some a, a lot of harm? And I asked you kind of the same, a version of this question before, that there was a good deal of harm done to TCU football, the program, last night. Oh. Um. Not to go head-to-head with you, but I don't believe so. You don't think I so? I believe be- getting there, it's the first Big 12, I think I just got this note from Josh, first Big 12 team to win a playoff game. Um, I-, I think at the initial response is, oh, my. I think over the long run, people are going to remember more how they beat Michigan. Uh, and speaking of unbelievable, how about the way they beat Baylor in the regular season? Yeah. I mean, getting the, the field goal team on just with seconds to spare to kick the field goal and win it. So um, I think in the long run, although I did notice this was posted about an hour and 15 minutes ago, that uh, one of the backup quarterbacks to Max Duggan has already entered the transfer portal. Did you see that? <laughs> uh, you no. going to Georgia? No. Um, yeah, geez. No, I, I remember the, the Beck kid who came in for Georgia, yeah. Alabama wanted him big time. And I think he may have originally committed to Alabama, if I'm correct, Josh, on that one. Uh, but it, I, I'm not sure. 
But, um, yeah, I, I, I think they're – I mean, Stetson Bennett just played uh, just so terrific uh, all year and even going back to late last year. But uh, in terms of just pure arm talent, Beck may have more than Stetson Bennett. Um, you know, just what we've we've run out of things to say about this national championship game, Matt, because it's uh, it's something we've never seen before, and frankly, I hope we never see again. Oh, please! <laughs> oh, perish the thought. I just don't know if I could put up with that again. I bet yeah. there's 20 teams in the country that would have played Georgia closer last night than TCU. At least. I think there's more than that. A lot more. Uh, what do you think it was? I mean, were they just overwhelmed by the moment, or is it just one of those nights when just nothing goes your way? The exact opposite of the semifinal game against Michigan when everything went their way. I think you could go through a list and check every single box. They were not emotionally ready. They were not football ready. They were outmanned in talent like nobody I've ever seen before in a game of that significance. They were outcoached. You just could keep going on and on and on. And As I said at the very top of the show, the way Georgia came out like the guy in the circus that comes out of the cannon. Yeah. But, I mean, they're still flying. Would you ever take a tight end number one overall? Brock Bowers to me is that good. He's just not a tight end, though. I mean, he's uh, he, but he's he, a he, back. But he's, he's a, he, he is. He's everything. I, I can't I, think I, of another player. Uh, Alabama. Remember Irv Smith? He was kind of a hybrid. But and I go all the way. I go all the way back to Kellen Winslow. Yeah, but he was kind of a bigger tight yeah. end guy. This guy's a wide receiver with Eric uh, Gilbert from skills. Florida recently. Uh, and what's the what's the tall thin guy that was kind of a tight end that got picked number and oh uh, he's in the NFL now six yeah. four guy anyway. yeah uh, Pitts Kyle Pitts yeah. uh, it's been fun uh, we'll Kyle Pitts up. got picked right before Jamar Chase by the way thank you Atlanta for taking Pitts over Jamar Chase Chase is uh, on a very very short list of the best in the NFL hey talk to you guys tomorrow at noon. Making a resolution to conquer your foot, knee, hip, or back pain this year? For over 30 years, the Good Feet Store's arch support system has helped people just like you improve performance.